Hey, welcome back to Living Beyond Sunday, podcast where we talk about everyday Christian life. Um, but hey, Pastor Mike, um, one of the reasons we started this podcast was to give you the opportunity to talk to subjects that maybe you don't preach about that often, or maybe you just haven't had time to address. And so one of those that came up recently is uh, demons. So for example, uh, do they exist? You know, How does Satan affect us physically? Does he? Is it something Christians c- should be concerned about at all, really? Um, so I'd love to hear you uh, just kind of springboard into that topic and what you would say to that question. Yeah, I think it's a good one and one I don't get to speak to um, often and looking forward to talking more about it. And I kind of want to set it up like this. Ephesians chapter 6, um, verse 12 says this, and it's Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual, for- against evil spiritual forces uh, in heaven. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist the evil day um, and having prepared everything to take your stand. And then he says, stand there for, therefore, and then he goes on and lists the, the armor of God. So I think what's what's really important to recognize is that this is a very true war that is raging uh, in our world. And I think a lot of times people try to turn a blind eye to this, and I think it's very unhelpful. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit and kind of the implications of what this awareness means for us. But I think uh, acknowledging that it exists is kind of the starting line. And if you go back to Ephesians chapter 2, so we just read Ephesians 6. If you go back to Ephesians chapter 2, I want to read something else that's um, that's really important uh, as Paul kind of starts off his gospel presentation um, to the church in Ephesus. He says this, he says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit, now at work in the disobedient. And this spirit now at work in the disobedient, right, this ruler of the power of the air is Satan. And so what Paul is saying is that, man, when you um, are, are not in Christ, right, before you trust in Jesus, that you are under the authority, the influence, the jurisdiction of Satan, who is given a pretty clear title here, right? The prince of the power of the air, um, you know, and again, it says the spirit now working in the sons of disobedience, so that disobedience, and when you are disobedient, comes from the influence of the enemy. Another thing that we see is when Jesus is tempted, right? We, We don't talk about this a lot, but he's tempted by Satan, right? And so when he's tempted by Satan, and he takes Jesus up on top of the temple, and he's like, look out, and all these things I'll give to you if you bow your knee to me, right? One of the things Jesus doesn't say back is, you can't do that. And so, again, we recognize this awareness of, one, Jesus is interacting with Satan in that moment. He's being tempted by Satan. Obviously, he withstands, uh, which is incredible, because Jesus succeeded where we failed. That's the beauty of Christ. Um, you know, if you go back to Adam and Eve, what happened? They were tempted by Satan, and they failed. So that's where you get the truer and better Adam in Christ. But all that to say, uh, what we see very clearly is that there is spiritual warfare. There is a spiritual realm. Uh, Satan is real. He's also got a a ton of what uh, we refer to as demons with him. It was part of a a legion, right? Legions that that fell when uh, when we go all the way back to Satan's story where he wanted to be like God and he was was jealous and prideful and arrogant. And so he's cast out of heaven. And with him, there's uh, there's many, many more that, that went along with him. So all, all that to say, let's start with the fact that it's it's real and it exists. And I think that's really important for us to, to grapple with. Yeah. And I think when we think about what we're doing here on this podcast, we want to be practical, but I think it's important to set up the topic so that we can then get practical. And so when we talk about Satan and we talk about demons, what are some of the ways you think that they can affect both Christians? You talked about non-Christians, that they non-Christians before they're saved are under Satan's power 
Um, so talk a little bit about what you think the difference is between what a s- Satan and demons can do to a non-Christian versus maybe a Christian. Can they affect Christians? Uh, I know I certainly grew up thinking that if you were saved, like, right. you know, you don't have to worry about this stuff. It's, hands it's, off. Yeah, yeah. Hands off. You're good. But uh, is that is that true? Is that what we should believe? How should we approach that? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think one that's really important, again, uh, when we look at this and, and we step back and we say, okay, as a Christian, for, for us to understand um, that that's a real reality, um, it helps us have a glimpse into what's actually going on, that it, there's, there's more than meets the eye, um, which shouldn't surprise us, right? If we bre- believe anything about Christianity, if we believe anything about the Bible, um, we should know that there's more than uh, what meets our uh, naked eye that we can see. And so um, when it comes to the, the impact that it can have on Christians, I think there's, there's multiple layers to this thing um, as it relates to the impact. I think one is um, Christians can certainly encounter um, the, the presence of the enemy. And when I say presence of the enemy, I use that very general intentionally because one thing that's also important to unpack is that Satan is not omnipresent. In other words, he's not everywhere at one time. God is. Our God, the God of the Bible, is omnipresent. He is at all places at all times. There's nothing outside of his sight uh, or ability to interact. Satan is not that. And I think it's very important that we start with that and realize uh, that he's not omnipresent. Because oftentimes what people do is it's like everything gets blamed on Satan. And I'm like, man, if everything's blamed on Satan, then you're a pretty high level target. You know, like if Satan's really at you, then like that's a that's a big problem. Yeah. It, you know, so yeah, um, if you're if your car ride to church is Satan's affecting your car ride to church, man, like you must be a big target. That's a big target, right? <laughs> and now, obviously, Satan can can affect you indirectly through the demons or or legions that are under right. his authority and all of that kind of stuff. But recognizing that he's not, and and also it keeps us from making him the scapegoat all the time. You know, Paul when he talks about you know why do I do the things I want to do and the things I don't want to do, I do do. He doesn't go. It's all Satan's fault. He says, "What a wretched man am I?" So I think we've got to have a good tension of that and understand that uh, Satan's not not omnipresent. But with that being said, that means that we've got to be aware that there could be encounters or things that happen where we encounter these evil or demonic forces, whether it be Satan himself, hopefully not, uh, or, or it could be uh, part of his demons. And so I think being being aware of that, um, that that's something that, that could potentially happen, is a really good starting line for us to understand. And to your second point, what can happen with Christians? So like we do encounter them or that, that does happen. What does that, what does that look like for us? Well, one of the things we know based on scripture is that a Christian cannot be holistically possessed by any de- demonic or evil forces. Yeah. So walk through that. What is possession? Yeah. Possession is the body takeover, a holistic takeover that happens by uh, some sort of demonic force, whether again, it be Satan or um, any elements of his evil. Uh, full possession to that end cannot happen with a Christian because yeah. we are hidden in Christ. And uh, so that's a beautiful thing. So sealed you are the Holy Spirit. You are sealed, right? Nothing yeah. can, what, what's in God's hand cannot be taken out. And so that's the beautiful part about when you truly trust in Jesus and you walk in that salvation, um, right? There's no one or anything, there's nothing. And, and Paul talks about this can ever take you uh, away. And even God himself says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake right. you. So I think that's a really important piece that you can't be fully possessed. That said, you can definitely be influenced by, right? There are there are potentially areas in your life, there are potentially areas around you um, that could be a, a demonic stronghold or uh, an evil influenced thing um, that 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 causes yes things uh, to lure you away, uh, that causes you to desire things, right? Like there's all these ways that the enemy can try to lure you out of, right? This is the goal of the Christian life is to hold on to the hope that we profess to the end. That's why Paul talks about pursuing the race, winning the prize, which is Christ. Like the, the goal for us is holding on to our faith. The enemy is trying to continue to break that. What he doesn't know is he can't, right? But but we're in this uh, we're in this race as we run, and we're saying, man, we're holding on to the hope that we profess. And so it is important to recognize that there are things that. 
from the enemy that can influence, that can press in, that can tempt, that can lure. Um, I would say it like this. Any area that's not surrendered to the Lordship of Christ has the potential to be impacted by a demonic force or an evil force. So any area not submitted or surrendered to uh, to Jesus has the potential to be impacted in a, in a pretty big way by, by the enemy. Yeah, what's a practical application of that? Like, what have you seen it in your ministry? You know, uh, have you seen an example of that? Because uh, it could be any area of your life, like you said. So do you have an example or do you have a theoretical example? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of things, you know, and again, some and we'll start simple <clears throat> and we can move deeper. But, you know, oftentimes people think about this like influence from the enemy or, or you know, demonic impact. And it's like, oh, gosh, this sound. It can be very simple as a stronghold on your money. Right. Like it can be uh, as simple as, man, I, I'm not a generous person and I don't practice or uh, pursue generosity to any degree. Right. Like the enemy has breathed lies to you in that area that's drawn you away and even harden your heart in that space. Um, I think we could go on to other areas or it could be, you know, service or it could be love. It could be forgiveness. Right. Like there's these places that could be potential strongholds um, that the enemy has breathed the lie that you're believing. Right? You're not holistically possessed or anything like that, but there is this 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 element to this that the enemy has breathed a lie who is, you know, the Scripture talks about Satan as the father of all lies, right? And so what does he do? What's his greatest tool? It's lies. This is where he went in the garden. He started with, did God really say? And half the time the lies are, are, are a non-truth or a half-truth, you know? And uh, so I think we got to be mindful of that. So yeah, I think that's a really good example. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I think um, the follow-on to that, I think for many people listening, maybe they're, they're already going, well... You know, I've never seen this in, you know, my life. Is that really the case? You know, you see kind of movie depictions of demons and demon possession, and it looks so far fetched. Um, but but how should we as Christians approach the potential that we may encounter uh, someone who's demon possessed? I think something that may be helpful to talk through is like, um, I think we probably don't interact with it as much in America because of cultural context and what the enemy is particularly doing here versus maybe uh, somewhere in Latin America where witchcraft is still voodoo was still like actively practiced. Um, so I think there's a little bit of difference culturally there that maybe you can address, but also how should we as Christians be perceptive? Why are we talking about it to be perceptive about it? So what should we do if we think we've interacted in that space or are interacting in that space? Yeah, and the first part that you said is really important for us to recognize. I think a lot of times people dismiss it because they haven't seen it. It's like if I haven't seen it, it's not real, you know, kind of thing, which is a horrible way to approach things because um, we're just kicking out so many things that we see in Scripture. In fact, one of the things, and we were talking about this before, that, that's so fascinating in Daniel chapter 10 where he's yeah. praying, you know, he's asking the Lord, he's like, yeah, God, I've got a request, I, I need help, you know, and and so God sends the archangel Michael and uh, to go answer his prayer request. And Michael shows up and he's like, man, I'm sorry it took me so long. I got tied up with the Prince of Persia, but I'm here now and here's the answer to your prayer. And you're just like, my goodness, like there, there is a war that's waging, you know, that's raging outside uh, of what yeah. we can actually see. And so to dismiss it because it's like, oh, it's never happened to me is to dismiss a lot of what we see uh, actually happening in, in scripture. And so that said, with your your point about, um, you know, why we don't see it as much in America, I think that the, the and, and it's just my, my opinion, I think John Piper shares in this as well, I think that it would be absolutely stupid for the enemy to show up in America because I think it would be more proof for Christianity than it would be against it. Right. I think it would be one of those things you could point to and be like, look at that, see, and everybody's like, oh, shoot, this is real. And they would, you know, so I think it would be an absolute uh, stupid thing. Plus, he's already got a stronghold on America, right? And the way I would say he has a stronghold, and, and Piper argues this as well, is he has a stronghold on our comfort. 
effort. We're the most wealthy nation in the world. We're the most comfortable nation in the world. Why would he ever want to stir the pot on that? Yeah, demon possession in large form would shake comfort. Yeah, absolutely. Why, you know. And it would debunk so many things that people cling to, and it would focus people in the wrong direction. You know, it would pull them away from from where they are. And so uh, I think, you know, it would be absolutely stupid. Now, to to the other piece that you said, when you're talking about other countries and other places where witchcraft and voodoo and all these kinds of things are there, um, I think it is way more prevalent because I think those things are definite elements of the enemy, right? Those are, are, are things that come from Satan and demons. Those types of uh, Ouija boards and all these kind of things, I think, are, are very much uh, Im- impacts of the enemy. And so for, for you know, the enemy to have an impact there changes. All of a sudden, it's like, oh my gosh, like there's a fear that you can embed instill in people. Um, it, there is a, a, just a sense of frightenedness and, that can subdue people. So it is a, a way more active overseas than it is in America. That said, I think there's very dark places. I know there's very dark places in America uh, where there has been demonic activity. And it's not just me. There's many others. There's firsthand stories. There's, you know, John Piper actually has an experience of, of an encounter that he had, you know. And so I, I think being mindful that oftentimes the enemy gravitates to really dark places that are very deprived spiritually and typically are places that are really bathed and baked in sin. Yeah, I think it shakes. Uh, the, if, if we can know, you can't be perceptive of something you don't know. Right. And so for us to be talking about this, something to think just very practically locally is like our church building is in an area that is very heavily influenced by sex trafficking. Right. And like there's no way that there's the prevalence of sex trafficking in that evil without some sort of demon stronghold influencing that practice right and so to think through it in that lens of the the places that you're not going to see going to Publix every week or you're not right. going to see going um to the taking your kids to school but that do exist in america in very uh, large pockets in dark places absolutely and being mindful of that is is of the utmost importance and so I think, yeah, identifying that and realizing this is real. And I think before we can ever talk about the practical side, we've got to acknowledge that it really is real. And I think for so long, and I kind of grew up under this, it was like we turn a blind eye because things that we don't really understand, we just reject. And man, that is a very um, uh, sad way to live because I think it, it, it doesn't prepare us well for like, man, what's actually going on. And I think what we're going to get on the back end to the practical application, it yeah. doesn't drive that home. Yeah, like... And that's the thing that I think we we need to spend some time talking about is like, because people now are going, well, okay, so I know about this. I'm starting to look for it. What do I do if I see, if I think I see it, what do I do if I really do believe I've seen it? What if I, if friends coming to me saying, you know, Hey man, you should come. We're playing with this Ouija board and talking to people who we think, you know, maybe already are dead and we're talking, doing some tarot cards and it's actually getting some stuff right. Like, what do you do if you're a Christian in that moment? Like, how do you respond What's our first action? What's our follow-up action? What do you think we should do? Yeah, I mean, I think partly it is, man, not putting yourself in position to even be around those things, right? Like, there's yeah. no reason to be around that. There is a power that the enemy has, and we see in Ephesians 2, uh, that the enemy is given jurisdiction, right? Right in this time, at this space where we are before Jesus returns, the enemy has jurisdiction over the world. And so I think being mindful of the power of the enemy, I'm not saying respect it. I'm not saying anything else other than that of just being aware of it. And so when you're aware of it, you don't want to be near it because it's unhelpful for you and your holiness. It's unhelpful for drawing you to become more like Christ. If anything, it's going to be lures and lies and all these kinds of things that the enemy breeds. And so I think if people are doing things that seem like they're in a spiritual realm, 
realm that's counter to what Scripture lays out for us, right? That's counter to um, that uh, honoring the Lord and pursuit of Him and knowing Christ more and being conformed into His image, you know, Romans uh, 8, right? Like, if it's anything outside of that, there, there's no reason to participate in it whatsoever. I also don't think we need to go out as Christian headhunters for this. Uh, man, mm-hmm. let's figure it out and let's find it and let's, like, go interact. There, there's no reason to do those kinds of things because what we know is tethered to the enemy is lies and temptation. Scripture is clear to flee temptation, right? So we need to be mindful of that as we're interacting. Now, that said, do Christians have the ability uh, to, to engage with demon possessions? Absolutely. We see this. Jesus is very clear on this. One of the big things Jesus does is cast out demons. He looks at his disciples. He says, greater works will you do than I. And he even talks to them about casting out demons, and they do it, right? But this is something that is uh, more reactionary than it is headhunting, right? This is them encountering or people coming to them, and it's in the midst of a a city where they're sharing the gospel. It's those kinds of things. So I think it's important to recognize that, yes, that is possible. Yes, we do have the power, right? Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So in other words, Jesus in you through the power of the Holy Spirit is way greater than Satan and his minions in the world. So we do have jurisdiction over him and his legion and minions and all these kinds of things, uh, but it doesn't mean that we go headhunting for it. And I think it's a really important piece. Um, That said, we need to be prepared if we do encounter it. Yeah, I think that's really good. I think what, for for a lot of times when you start talking about this uh, topic, I think people get scared. Yeah. I mean, I know growing up, whenever this topic would come up, I'd get scared. And I, I still talking about it now, I, there's a certain level of uncomf- uncomfortability and fear that can arise of like, man, what what if I do encounter this? And I think you made a point earlier that I don't want to glance over that I think is a practical. And even um, I want to reference the text. I think you referenced Ephesians 6. And uh, I think a practical application, you, you said this, but Paul writes it in Ephesians after he says, we don't battle against flesh and blood, we battle right. against... He says you should pray. Like yeah. you should pray at all times. It's Ephesians six, eighteen says pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. And then he says pray also for me and goes on. But like, I think that's a really key is if we understand the fact that even going back to Daniel, there is a spiritual element that Daniel prayed to God. He said, Hey, I need some help here. God said, I'm sending Michael the archangel. Michael the archangel gets held up by. The, the prince of Persia, as said in the text, and then arrives to answer the prayer, like how much more should we be praying now when it comes to the stuff that we're seeing in our church, in our lives, um, salvation, uh, just anything to happen, like how much more of a spiritual element to it that we just don't perceive and we just don't see. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think the piece that you're uh, pushing at as well is not only is prayer uh, a response to this, but also the entire armor of God. So the the more our awareness, and this is why we spent so much time on the front end kind of talking about the truth and the reality of of this existing. The more that we are aware of these things, the more that we're going to dive into where Paul points us in Ephesians 6 when he talks about the armor of God. Because then he says, stand firm. And he says, put on the armor of God. And he starts to list off all these things and and walks through them. And he he talks about, you know, the belt of truth, the 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 helmet of righteousness. And he goes through each individual element. So like, man, the more we're aware of this reality, this spiritual reality, the more it should drive us to put on the armor of God, which, what does that do? It bathes us in the things of God. And I do think one of the greatest weapons uh, to combating the enemy and demonic forces and whatever it may be is absolutely prayer. 
I mean, it is it is the crux. And so I think that again, the more aware we are of this this unseen realm that exists, the more it should drive us to pray. And I think if we really grappled with this reality and we own the fact that man, this is real, we would find ourselves on our knees substantially more. We'd find ourselves singing substantially more. Singing is a, 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 a an important piece. Of this we'd find ourselves in the Word, right? When you look at um, Ephesians chapter six, the one offensive weapon that we're given again to stand firm, yeah, the Word. It is the Word. Yeah. And so we would bathe ourselves in the Word, which means again, so you encounter. Uh, someone or something in the demonic realm, well, what, what, what should we do? Well, we've been given a sword. So we use the word, right? The word to combat that. Um, we, use, we use prayer in that moment. We use singing as we sing the word. The thing that I think is so unique when you look at this whole idea too, right? When, when Jesus in, um, looks at uh, Peter and he says, on this rock I'll build my church, and he says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. One of the things we've got to recognize is when Jesus says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, the church is positioned as the offensive, not the defensive. In other words, the enemy, it's not that the enemy can't penetrate us, but that we can pierce through the enemy. And so the way that we do that is how, well, the Ephesians 6 shows the armor of God and points us to the word. Right, And so again, the more aware we are of these things and this unseen, the more it should drive us to the things of God to help arm and equip ourselves to engage in the battle that is very clearly um, pointed, pointed to that exists. Yeah, and so I think the, the big practical takeaways here that you mentioned, three things. One, prayer. I think that should be... I'm challenged by us talking about this. I think even the way we pray changes when, when we have a perception of this, right? Um, number two, singing. Number three, the word. And I think... Um, one, one piece on the word that I think uh, is super helpful is that once again, you can't know what you aren't aware of. And so to know the word, to be memorizing scripture, to read it daily, um, to know what God says so that when you experience the lies of the enemy, when you experience the enemy up close, maybe God's able to bring to memory verses that you have studied and read and able to combat and you have your sword to draw, um, you know, and pierce through the enemy. Yeah, I mean, John 1 talks about, right, the, the light has overcome the darkness. Right. Like, there's no way the darkness can overcome the light, and it points us to this light that shines in the darkness. That's the hope for the world. I think another piece, so you talked about prayer, you talked about the Word, um, and obviously the Word's going to point us in a couple different places, but I think the local church is vital. Yeah. Right? Like, you don't run isolated in this war. That's true. You don't run isolated. You've been, you've been saved from something to something, so you're part of the body of Christ, and it's important that we wage war together on this through prayer, through the Word. This is why, again— the corporate gathering, uh, life together with other believers, this stuff matters because it helps arm and equip you with what we see to be true in Ephesians chapter 6. Yeah, I think the the, the thing that when a, a right view of demons and the unseen realm in a lot of ways is um, has so many more practical applications than maybe we think. Like I was just having a conversation the other day about the fact that when we gather here at church, like it is more than just showing up here to hear a sermon and sing. Like there is a spiritual element to the gathered body that God does something when the church gathers. Yeah. There is same in community groups, same when we um, start doing Bible studies together. There is a specific thing that happens when the body gathers. That is a spiritual element that the enemy hates. Yeah. But that is so necessary to maintain our posture before God and maintain our Christian walk and to endure, like Paul says. Yeah. No, that's good, man. And I think a, a good way to kind of close this is I want to read the back end because I've yeah. referenced it like three times now. Yeah, great, but I want to great way to close. I want to say it in Ephesians uh, or read Ephesians six uh, verse fourteen where he says to stand firm. And I want you to listen to the elements of how we stand firm because I think they're so important. And watch where he lands. He says, "Stand therefore." 
with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request. Stay alert with all perseverance and intercessions for all the saints. And so again, you see this communal element on the back end, and you see really where the the stamp is put in on this idea of prayer, right? And so I think the more aware that we are, the more it should drive us to the things that we just read there in Ephesians 6, the greater our prayer life should be for ourselves, but also for all the saints, that one another piece that we have to have together. Yeah, that's really good, and that's a great way to close. And so, hey, if you're listening to this, and maybe this is the first time you've heard of uh, this topic or heard it in this light and you have more questions, please email those to us at pastor Mike at imageatl.com. We love for those questions to come in and be able to address them here. And we'd love to answer follow on questions about demons and, um, uh, what we talked about today. Uh, but Hey, thanks for listening. We'll be back next Friday with a brand new topic. Please subscribe, leave us a rating on Spotify and Apple podcasts, and we'll talk to y'all then.